Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Kate Hargraves, a graduate of Sydney Conservatorium High School, pursued her passion for music at the conservatory, earning a Bachelor of Music performance with a focus on trombone, Her journey as a versatile musician led her to perform with esteemed groups like the Australian Opera Ballet Orchestra, Sydney Symphony Orchestra, and various renowned musical ensembles and shows. Beyond performing, Kate dedicated herself to teaching brass instruments and conducting orchestras in multiple Sydney schools. Transitioning to a business path, she contributed her expertise to Yamaha Music Australia and later served as the divisional manager for Casio Keyboards and Digital Pianos in Australia and New Zealand. Kate's commitment to music education extended to her roles on the boards of the Australian Music Association and the Association of Music Educators, where she played pivotal roles as vice president and non-executive director, respectively. Her pursuit of knowledge didn't end there. Kate holds a graduate diploma in management from the Australian Graduate School of Management. Passionate about enriching classroom music experiences, she founded Music EDU, aiming to make music learning enjoyable and accessible for every child. Kate is a sought-after presenter at Music Technology and Music Association conferences across Australia and New Zealand, and she has also shared her insights at esteemed international events such as TIME, TMEA, and NGMEA in the U.S. Her dedication to enhancing music education continues to inspire educators and students alike, and she eagerly looks forward to further contributions in the upcoming year. So this week, uh, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming a partner to the podcast, somebody who I've known for at least 10 years now, I uh, have a ton of respect for the um, curricula and the products that uh, she's created. Kate, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Australia. Uh, the the magic of uh, technology brings us together. But thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Jim, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So for those educators that don't know you don't know your by the way if you've if you ever have a chance to see kate present uh, i don't think there's a more dynamic presenter on there the last time i saw you kate in person was in texas and you came to our <laughs> dinner with like your dj kind of outfit you were all dressed to the nines i, I was kitted up for yeah, sure but I, I love your spirit i love i love the way you present things but for those of you that for those listeners that don't know you, why don't you give us like the the five, 10 minute thumbnail sketch of your career path, uh, how you got involved in music and how you got to uh, launch and run your own company, Music EDU. And uh, yeah, give us the, give us a snapshot of your career. Amazing. Thanks, Jim. Well, 
Yeah, I was a professional trombone player coming out of the Sydney Conservatorium. So I had very... no idea. That is something <laughs> I learned something within the first two seconds. That's great. I'm a <laughs> player. Low brass people stick together. That's I knew I, I love you. <laughs> That's great. All right, I'll be quiet. Yeah, so yeah, so I was classically trained, lots of band and orchestra through all my high school years. So I think, you know vicariously I would have loved to have been brought up in the US and participated in in the amazing scene that bands are are there here in Australia it's a little bit different but uh, I ended up at the Sydney Conservatorium did my degree there in performance on the trombone and found myself playing professionally for for quite a few years which was you know amazing so and then I was always teaching I was teaching from when I was in high school so I, I loved teaching and that was much a part of Kate the person I guess and I was running bands and orchestras at a one of the private schools here in Sydney and freelancing to other schools conducting and running workshops so that that band and orchestra side was very strong in my in my background and I got to the point where I worked out that counting bars rest in a symphony orchestra wasn't for me and that I wanted to do something more than that and I looked in the paper and was trying to work out what could I do. Back in those days, all the job ads were in the paper. It's back in the olden days, Jim. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I worked out that potentially I could maybe have a crack at some sales because more than anything with sales, you didn't need any experience. So that's what I, that's what actually shone to me was that uh, maybe I could give that a go. And, you know, one thing led to the other. And eventually I worked uh, for Yamaha here in Australia, running their band and orchestra oh, wow. sales for, for one of the one of the states. And then I went on to do the institutional business sales. So selling to the universities and the schools and doing the finance deals for the acoustic pianos and, oh, wow. and that side of things. So so I learned a lot in that role and and then went out of the industry for a while. I worked in recruitment for quite a number of years. So learned a huge amount in that industry, both from the people side and uh, from business, you know, learning all different types of businesses. So that was quite valuable. And then I got headhunted back to manage Casio Musical Instruments for oh, wow. Australia and New Zealand. So, yeah, so that was a great role. And I had a lot of autonomy in that role from a sales and marketing perspective and learning about the the factories and the research and development and the wholesale and retail strategies and product development. So that was a true 360 role really in running a business without having to run your own business, if that makes it sure does. In fact, we have a member of so, our staff, we have a member of our staff, Kate uh, Walt Straten, uh, who also did the Yamaha uh, institutional sales. So uh, it, it's mm. funny how it's a very small industry and there's a lot of uh, a lot of like-minded people in it, but I totally get what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. And yeah, so both of those roles, I think, really set me up to potentially run my own business. It wasn't something I always had on the hit list to do. One of the things that they asked me to do when I joined the distributor here in Australia to run Casio was to set up something for the musical instrument division that was similar to what they had in place for the calculator division with maths teachers. And they they basically had 90% market share here in Australia for calculators. And they were looking to increase 
their stamp in the musical products section as well. So I spend a lot of time at maths conferences, Jim, and uh, and trying to work out how they did it with the maths teachers and and essentially worked out we couldn't run it the same way for music because no two schools actually delivered music the same way, even if they were running the same curriculum. So so one thing led to another and we put together a, a pilot program and, yeah, and that eventually ended up being the, I guess, the impetus for Music EDU. So that's how my business actually started. You know, Kate, I've I've interviewed. Uh, I'm, I'm at your podcast number ninety seven that I've done. Of, <laughs> of, of all those podcasts, um, uh, sometimes it comes up where there are music teachers or musicians writ large who go into the corporate world. Myself being one of them, and uh, we mm. know a lot of people who are in that boat as well, who realize that their skills as a musician their skills as an educator transfer almost perfectly to those roles where, you know, a, a trusted advisor, somebody who's walked the walk, somebody who's been in the shoes of those people. When you, when you speak to educators and you're designing solutions that you know they need, or, mm. or maybe they didn't know they needed, but, you know, you show them the light and show them, hey, check this thing out and look what it can do for your teaching. When I was at Soundtree, we sold thousands of Casio keyboards, literally. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're great instruments. And obviously, Yamaha is one of those evergreen brands in the space. But I think for a lot of music educators, I wrote a blog post about this almost a year ago. The transition from the classroom to the corporate world is 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 it can be pretty, you know, uh, very different in many ways, but in other ways, the skill set is just perfectly suited uh, for that role. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of teachers in general that are quite daunted by the thought of taking that step. And I recently hired uh, somebody coming out of teaching and who was in teaching and he had been helping me as a, as a little bit of a side hustle with the curriculum development. And so we said, all right, well, let's let's give a 12-month contract to go. Well, I can't tell you the, the difference that that young man has made to mm. the business as a whole has been phenomenal because the work ethic is amazing. I mean, you can't get somebody more hardworking than a music teacher, right? right. So, they're, they're used to having six or seven uh, side hustles and they work. Absolutely. They work really but, you hard. know, <laughs> they're at school from 7am to, you know, so you, you just can't get somebody more hardworking. So, and, you know, not that not that we're here to flog people, but it's it's more the, the ethic, the, the, the shared values and the shared goals. When, when all of that aligns, you know, you really get a, a fantastic team around you yeah and, and and that that leads me to the next thing which is to talk about music edu and i think one of the reasons uh, i'll be super candid i'm i get approached by a lot of companies that say oh how could we use music first to get into the education space and i'm usually not interested um, because i look for folks who are you know do what you do and that is provide music educators with a really quality, uh, for in your case, a curricula or you know a set of curricula that um, that are you know classroom tested, teacher approved uh, things that will work. You open it up, you're ready to go, 
And, you know, we've looked for ways to work together for a number of years now. And I think what we've recently done uh, is fabulous. But before mm -hmm. we get into that, I'd love for you to give, a, you know, your description of, of what is Music EDU? What, what do you, what does it provide music educators and why should they uh, look, uh, look at it and, and consider it uh, for adoption in their teaching? Mm. So Music EDU is the solution for student disengagement for middle and high school music departments and the answer to music teacher burnout. We specialise in delivering music curriculum that is so on trend with students. It's Friday afternoon, grade eight proof. So we bring, <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I love that. <laughs> So Music EDU brings the latest music industry topics, things like music for games, film and soundtrack, beat making, DJing, and we make them easy for teachers to immediately implement in the classroom. And that's all we do. And we specialise in that middle school into high school age bracket. And that's, that's the lane that we run, Jim. Yeah, and I, I think for anyone who's taught what we would call general music here in the States um, to that middle and high school level, it's always a, a kind of a struggle to find engaging content that's contemporary, that's something that the kids will, their eyes will, you know, open wide and say, oh my God, we can do this in music class. That's not to say that teaching Gregorian chant, teaching Bach, teaching Beethoven symphonies isn't mm. worthy, isn't worthwhile. Of it's course, so important. It's of very course. important. We have to know where we came from. But for a lot of music educators, that's the curriculum that they've been brought up in. That's mm. the curriculum that's taught at universities. Certainly here in the United States, when I did my middle school kind of methods class for general music. It was, you know, how to make Bach engaging. And you and I certainly did that through technology. But when mm -hmm. if you ask the students, if you poll the students, what do you want to learn about? They want to learn how to make sick beats. They want to learn how to use turntables. They want to learn how to Absolutely. the music that they're consuming. They're obsessed with video games. They love um, music and film. So why don't you give a, a little bit of a deeper dive of what's inside Music EDU and what and what would a teacher get if they decided to, uh, to bring it to their classrooms? Well, they get everything. So we have five programs and they're all mapped to curriculum standards. So whether you're in America or Australia or even drilled down into some of the states within, we map to the local standards so that the teachers don't have to, essentially. But the five programs are quite diverse and we do actually include a lot of historical music like you've just spoken about because it is important that the students in these general music classes get the breadth of what we're looking at. Equally, we can do that through the likes of Game Composer, where there is so much Gregorian chant, there's so much vocal work, there's beautiful symphony orchestra work, there's so much going on in gaming music that even I didn't give it credit for the depth and the breadth of of what's available. World music can be explored through game music. So we can 
what we like to do at Music EDU is we like to hide the vegetables in the bolognese sauce. Oh, I love it. So, <laughs> so, so whether it's, you know, Packerbell's Canon and remixing or, you know, something that is in, hidden in the gaming like augmentation and diminution and repetition, so musical concepts, whatever it is that we need to teach because it's on the curriculum, we'll hide it and put it under the guise that they're learning something else and what we've found is that the retention of information is much higher that way. Uh, equally, when we go into immersive technologies, uh, we, we also get a, a higher retention. But essentially we have five programs. So I've mentioned Game Composer and there's one called Trackformers. That's the DJing program. We actually started way back when with Keyboard Evolution and that stemmed out of the, the Casio pilot. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a very traditional playing performance type program where we use keyboards, guitars and ukuleles to execute the learning of musical concepts. Studio sessions, and I know you're familiar with studio sessions, Jim, because yes. the wonderful Katie Wardrobe helped me write that back in 2014. So uh, studio sessions initially was a pathway through door software because a lot of teachers wanted to get into GarageBand and wanted to start exploring these door softwares but didn't really know where to get started. So, so that particular program was designed to explore tone manipulation, multi-track recording, film and soundtrack and the like. So that's a, been tried and tested over the last decade and we're actually in the process of rebuilding it at the moment. So, oh, wow. so this is really exciting. So and we also have one called augmented augmented reality classroom so ar classroom for short and this is where we've been doing crossover into other subjects and into stem and steam so we add an immersive technology experience to solidify the learning or the theory that we've included in the module of work and then the students go on to do a creation task and then they actually go on to create their own augmented reality experience. So we recently did a module on instruments of the orchestra. So we've created augmented reality experiences for all the instruments of the orchestra, which is phenomenal. They'll learn the specifications. They can play the instruments. They can hear a famous piece of music being played all in augmented reality. And it's these sorts of technologies that the students are interacting with outside of school. And I just really see it as our job to bring those, those types of technologies into the music classroom. So it begs the question, Kate, how did you decide which career, I mean, th that's, those are amazing topics. How did you decide on those? And um, probably, you know, how do you know it's going to, I mean, what is the process? How do you know it'll engage the students the, the, you know, that when, whenever we write curricula uh, mm. on, the, on the music first side of things, it's, it's usually either a really good guess on our standpoint. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's directly from customers who saying, who ask us, Hey, do you have anything for X? Do you have anything for Y? So what, how did you decide uh, on which curricula to create? Because that's a really great uh, set of five different, uh, you know, offerings. Yeah, I mean, the keyboard one was obvious. 
Well, I guess it wasn't obvious, but after doing quite a lot of research whilst I was at Casio, I, I established that most most middles and high schools had keyboards. So having something around keyboards was was fairly obvious. Because I then left Casio, it really opened Pandora's box as to, well, what next? Because I had always thought, oh, there'll be a second book or there'll be a second program that's keyboards. That's where I, my brain was initially. But but when that that constraint was taken off, it was, well, what do these teachers need? And exactly. there was a couple of things that I saw and there was often, remember the old jam hubs? Oh, my God, I love, I'm so sad those things went away. They were incredible. I know, right? So so there were so many jam hubs where, you know, teachers had gone to a, a tech workshop or a, a conference and gotten excited and and the jam hubs were sitting on a shelf and not doing anything or, you know, even with the keyboards, the, the teachers are using them but everyone's playing the piano sound. And so for me it was like, well, looking at, well, what do the teachers actually need or the technologies there, what aren't they fully utilising? So, so that's been always one component of it. And so that's how we came up with studio sessions. I, I put together a huge hit list of things I wanted to accomplish with that program and I knew Katie Wardrobe was the right person. And she, okay. I'm not talking, I'm not talking out of school here, but she she knocked me back. She knocked me back. She said, No, I'm too busy. Uh, I don't think oh. it's, I don't think, no. She was like, oh, I'm really focusing on my own thing. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. I said, I don't, I don't actually know that what I'm asking can be done. I don't think, I think I'm actually asking too much. I right. think maybe, you know, I don't think it can be done. And that burned in her and uh, she had to prove that she could do it. So she did it. You are that, so, that's why you're so good at what you do. That that's I, perfect. I and picked Katie's the personalities. Like, I, I can totally she, do it. <laughs> she came back and she nailed it, right? Of course Absolutely. she did. So so and but when it came to the next one, which was track formers, I was actually setting out to create an Ableton course, to be honest. Ah. And uh because the teachers were really getting into Ableton and I thought, okay, cool, we've got to have a look at this. And sometimes the doors just keep shutting, Jim, yep. you know, so whenever you're looking for the right person to help you or guide you or the right opportunity to unfold, it just doesn't. So that was what was happening. And then at the same time, I was looking at the music trades numbers of instrument sales because I've always just kept my eye on that in, in looking at trends and therefore trends in the industry and then trends in music education. So where they're not aligned, you know, because where they're not aligned tells me and speaks to where there could be high engagement for the students. And I couldn't ignore the statistics that were available on the sales of DJ controllers. Right. The, the exponential growth of that industry was phenomenal and still is. And I was like, is this actually a mistake? I mean, it was the percentage increase was just astronomical. So so for me, I couldn't ignore that. So and then doors just opened one after the other in creating that DJ course. So so that's how that one came about. So um and then like you, feedback is huge. I've been visiting some schools and there was a particular teacher who I loved working with and she was running a gaming unit 
with her year nine students and she was telling me about it and she's you know a Scottish lady great sense of humor and the last person that you would ever think would be right into games and she's she's not only right into games she really knows her stuff and it just I just banked it in the memory and and about a year later, came back to her and I said, would you be interested? And she had all of our programs, so she knew the Music EDU formula. And I said, would you be interested in writing a gaming a gaming unit for us that is in the Music EDU format? And she, she jumped at the opportunity and Purple. that's been an amazing program. So the immersive technologies one, though, was quite different. It was... I was at a music tech conference. There was a teacher who came and showed us augmented reality and how she was using it in primary schools. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And then a week later I was at a cafe and there was an amazing waitress and I said to my my colleague, I said, wow, she's a go-getter and asked her, what are, you, what are you up to? Why are you working here at the cafe? And she said, oh, I'm studying university at the moment. And I said, oh, what are you studying? And she's telling me about immersive technologies, which I didn't have a clue about until I'd been to this other conference. Mm. So within the space of about three or four weeks, just one thing led to another and this immersive technologies thing was, you know, right in front of my face. And so we just started looking into it. But it was a good 12 months later before we actually launched anything with it. So there was a lot of research, a lot of development, a lot of, uh, learning that had to be done because it was well outside our comfort zone for sure. So but the feedback that we get, I mean, the retention for students that, we, you know, if we take them into playing music, we get a, a 70% retention rate. When we get them to do learning in immersive technologies, that, that retention goes up to something like 90%. Wow. So it's a phenomenal tool and it's not there to just gamify or, cutify the learning it's actually if we we do it properly it's it's a it's a fantastic weapon essentially to really getting them to concrete those musical concepts yeah and i think what you know first a couple of thoughts on that number one there's uh for the music teachers who have ever been out to anaheim to the nam show um where you know once a year all the music manufacturers show up uh, and they show their latest gear um Whenever I walk the that show floor, I, I want to make sure everyone knows this. There's a very small band, uh, band and string area, but the mm. vast majority of manufacturers or the stuff you see are, are Guitar. guitars, <laughs> DJing equipment. Um, you know, there, there's actually DJs up there doing a set. Um, I personally, in in the tens of thousands of students I taught in my career about five or six of them have made music uh, their life and all of them happen to be DJs. Uh, and I've been, mm-hmm. to, I've been to their sets and it's amazing how um, traditional music education looks at that and goes, well, that's not real music, but the reality says something very different. The, the industry says something very different. One of my uh, favorite students of all time was a guitar player, didn't have a place in the quote unquote band, um, but would always hang out. I was showing him, you know, Ableton Live back in the mid 2000s. And mm. 
that kid is now, you know, playing Coachella, uh, DJing, and he's got a huge, he, he's basically Amazing. living in Ibiza, whatever, uh, doing parties all the time. He's living, living the dream. Living the dream indeed. And I think <laughs> that the, the reason that a lot of teachers might shy away from incorporating DJing, incorporating music production, um, game, you know, writing music for a game, which by the way, if you're going to be a composer in today's world, uh, mm. one of the greatest outlets for your creativity is working with gaming companies because absolutely, I, I'm sure you, you have, yeah, and in, in, I'm sure it's in Australia, but in the United States, um, you could be a professional gamer at this point. And there are concerts that, that, that symphonies and, you know, the Philharmonic, uh, will put on where they're playing game music. It's uh, an, and they're, they're the ones that get sold out the fastest, by the way. By far. Uh, they're instantly sold out. And I think that um, the reason that it's not often addressed in a traditional music program in schools is that there just isn't the knowledge by those teachers on how to even get started. So the thing that drew me uh, to your curricula is that it, it literally gives teachers a fantastic set of, you know, uh, lesson plans, units of study that are written by teachers, right? They're written, it's not by some kind of esoteric jargon throwing, you know, oh, oh, first you need to do this. It's it's actually written by a teacher and a teacher can easily implement it into their teaching. It doesn't have to be their entire curriculum. It can be, hey, we're going to do a DJing unit and we have this great uh, track formers, uh, you know, stuff that you can pull in. What we've done at Music First Classroom, by the way, for anyone listening, is we, we've included... Uh, and Kate worked with us on this, and we're we're really thrilled you did this, Kate. Uh, we've included uh, in our resource tab a Music Edu button. You click on that, and you can go in and get a whole bunch of freebies uh, that Kate has mm -hmm. kindly offered up to our customers. But more importantly, you know, if you'd like to see this what, with the freebies, you get some stuff. But wh where the real meat and potatoes is, it, there's a form. If you scroll down on that page that we send you to, scroll down, fill it out and get access, trial access to some of this stuff, and then consider bringing it into your teaching. I, I, it's a really, we're so thrilled that we've done this partnership finally. And, and I, and I'm really proud to offer it to our, to our customers, Kate. Thank you, Jim. That means a lot. And yeah, just to, to reify, I think um, the, the ability to try and implement or to implement something with your students is the key, you know, and we hear it all the time when we go to conferences is just take one thing away and give it a go. And I think the beauty of what we do is we help you find that starting point and we meet teachers where they're at, no matter their tech experience or how much tech they've actually got in the classroom, even if they're just starting with instruments, we we can we can meet them where they're at and essentially we start just taking one bite of the elephant at a time so that it's it's not overwhelming and they can see the difference in the engagement and that to us is what teachers need right now you know yep. that the teacher fatigue is a real thing and and we just love hearing from these teachers that have done the trial and they say I'm just totally reinvigorated to to teach again because I don't have to put it all together myself. I don't have to know it all. It's all done for me, you know. So so that's music to our ears when we hear that, Jim. 
No, absolutely. And it, it leads me to a topic that's somewhat controversial here in the U.S. I've spent quite a bit of time in Australia, and whenever I bring up the, the topic of popular music in a classroom, being, you know, here in the U.S., there's actually a very vigorous debate about whether or not it, it should be incorporated. Um, there are uh, there was a really well-known article written by David A. Williams, which was called The Elephant in the Room, and it was basically in, in the Music Educators Journal as a call to music educators to incorporate popular music into their curriculum. And the next month, a professor who shall remain nameless wrote a scathing rebuttal to that, saying, you know, how that popular music has no place in the classroom. It's kind of a here wow. to, here today gone tomorrow and we should really stick to the you know to the for lack of a better term the dead white guys um i would love to get your your thoughts on that and and where you think the place is for popular music in the classroom wow well you know that's a very surprising viewpoint from that professor you know it's when you think back to early rock and roll and even jazz and how taboo that was at the time and, you know, that's nearly 100 years old now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's actually, you know, that's almost this history now, you know. So so this this idea of popular music to me is quite interesting because it's so subjective. What, what does that actually mean? Right. You know, so is that in the last five years? Is it the last 10? Is it the last 20? Well, you know, if you'd asked me 30 years ago when I was at the Sydney Conservatorium that I'd be advocating for DJing in the music classroom, I would have scoffed at you. Yep. You know, like I was such a classical music snob. Even when we were writing that program, I was, I had lots of walls up. But what I realised is that the world has changed, the music has changed, and the students have changed, particularly in the last few years. Absolutely. So, so finding relevance is absolutely pivotal and the way to do that is through the music that they they're listening to the music that means something to them not to us I liken it to you know if you can imagine going to church and the priest expecting to convert everyone in their congregation to being a priest that's <laughs> what traditionally music teachers have been teaching they're teaching yep. to the one they're teaching to the one percent yep. you know what about the 99 is what we're about you know let's let's absolutely cater to that one percent that's so important that we see that person reach their their true potential but you know in the general music classroom where you've got a subject with the highest differentiation in terms of of ability in the one in the one place we have to we have to be able to maximize the engagement very quickly and i can't i can't preach enough on the fact that popular music is absolutely the key to getting that insight into the students building those connections with the student and then we can drip feed the traditional side to them and they're quite happy to learn it they're absolutely happy to learn it when yeah. they can see that there's a connection to their real world yeah, I mean, it's it, music is music, right? And I think that Absolutely. obviously, uh, with, without getting too deep into it, there are uh, racial connotations to, hey, hip hop has no place in the curriculum. But 
the minute those kids leave your class and leave the school, the earbuds go in and they're listening to hip hop. Well, why mm-hmm. are we ignoring it? Rather, you know, the way I've always looked at it is you can teach an appoggiatura by 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 pu- yeah. pulling out Mozart, but you can also teach an appoggiatura by pulling out Beyonce. It, you're still teaching the same concept, but exactly, isn't, isn't it nice when the students go, oh my God, I love this song rather than what is this? Uh, and again, not to denigrate uh, the classics, but it's such a nice feeling when the kids are immediately engaged because you're, you know, when if you mention Drake to students, if you mention Beyonce or Taylor Swift or, you know, Post Malone, whoever it is that you mention, you'll immediately see the kids go, what What did you just say? Did, did you yeah. just say Post Malone? You're like, yeah, well, let's let's analyze this melody that that he sings here. Let's let's see what Billy. Why does Billy Eilish's music sound the way it does? Why does Lord's music sound the way it does? And I think that the more teachers that hop on that bandwagon, I think the, the thing you mentioned about burnout it's so much more fun to teach when the kids are completely oh, absolutely. In learning, right? I mean, why, why, why do we feel this massive need to, to connect it to this kind of um, canon of music that's quote unquote acceptable? So I, I love your, I love your take on it, Kate. And I, and I hope that a lot of people, I, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the listeners who are listening to a music tech podcast are already are already right behind us going, of course, of course. I hope that the teachers who aren't, you know, give a listen and, and really uh, consider it uh, because it's 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 important, uh, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, so, you know, go ahead. well, I, I I just, you know, like to speak to those, those teachers that are, are hesitant because the validity in the teaching is extremely important. And I think there's a a fear, if you want to call it a fear, of dumbing down a curriculum. And to us, that would be just such a horrible thing to do because music is just so incredibly beautiful in in all of its ways, you know. So so I think, you know, the, the real cleverness comes in where you can actually have both and you can have the best of both and you can start with that that idea of an artist and a particular technique that they use. And then you can take them back in time to show them where it, where it was first created or first used that we know about. And, and I think that's, you know, where what I hear from our teachers is that, you know, having an off-the-shelf curriculum, so to speak, has actually enabled them to be more creative than when they actually created their own curriculum because the framework is is so strong that then if they decide to go deep into something that they have a lot of knowledge about, then they haven't had to do all that building and spend all of that time, you know, usually in their, their school holidays or after work when they're tired or weekends, you know, putting that together, the, the 80 to 90% is there and then they can they can go into that particular topic that they know a lot about and and be passionate about it. So so I think, you know, I think for those that maybe have been hesitant, this is a great opportunity to implement something and see the difference. Yeah. And and you know, first a couple of things. Number one, music EDU, um, the the curricular materials are so beautifully produced. I I can't say this strongly enough. It's one of the when you and I met Kate to how can we work together? 
I, I was very reluctant and hesitant to try to convert your beautiful materials into content in our platform because of how beautifully laid out. I mean, whoever did the graphic design and the layout and, and the presentation of the curriculum, uh, it deserves an award because it's gorgeous. So unlike other content that we've worked with in the past, we we don't want to um, music firstify the, the beautiful content you've created. So for our customers, just so you know, this is a standalone curriculum. You can choose which one you want um, mm. and you get the music EDU version. You're not getting it in the music first platform. And the reason that we did that, first of all, aside from the beautiful layout, is that the curricula are also platform agnostic, which means that, hey, if you don't happen to have Soundtrap, um, but you have GarageBand, um, mm. You can use the curriculum. It's not tied to a specific software title. If you're, you know, if you're doing DJing, we have a, a, a great little thing called UDJ uh, that we made an education version of. But if you've got Serato uh, that that you're running that you happen to be using, then the the curricula that you've created is software agnostic. It's 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 all about teaching music and teaching what the why, the what, the how, um, and so. Be, because of what uh, because of the, the 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 quality of the material that you've created not saying that we our other partners don't uh, but i'm just i i'm in love with the way you present it uh in in the curricula and i and i urge uh listeners um who have that little music edu button in their classroom and those that don't uh to go visit your site and check it out for themselves because i know they'll agree with me Absolutely. And and again, we love hearing back from our teachers and, and you know, something like Instruments of the Orchestra, which is a topic that's been done to death for however many years. And, you know, we hear back from the teachers and they say, well, you know, we're teaching the same, we're teaching the same topic, but the students are just captivated. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to give a shout out to Nicole Nighthawk, who has been our graphic designer since day dot. She is She's amazing. Um, uh, my my she is, highest compliment yeah, to her. <laughs> she is a remarkable talent. She's a singer-songwriter. She's actually just released an album. So oh, wow. uh yeah, she's and so she gets music. She gets yeah, she's been a part of the team. As I said, she's she's part of our furniture and we love her. So and you know, for us, we really wanted to present the resources for this age bracket. So whether a student's in grade 10 or if they're in grade six, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't it wasn't elementary or primary school, you know, so they're not a grade 10 student doesn't feel like it's too baby for them, but equally a grade five or six student doesn't feel like it, well, it shouldn't be inappropriate, of course. Right, so, right. so to us, that was really finding that mix and it's evolved over time. I mean, if you had a look at where we started, you know, 11 years ago, you'd have a good giggle. But, uh, you know, so over time that's we've sort of gotten very comfortable in our skin with with how we go about that. And and that then flows into everything. You know, we've done all the videos. So if you, you do have GarageBand, the videos for every tech project are done in GarageBand by Music EDU. So you're not spending eight minutes listening to some turkey on YouTube getting to the good <laughs> bit. It's all the good bit, you know. So yep. and we've got the DJ tracks and they don't have lyrics. So you know that getting students up and running on DJing can be somewhat controversial. We've we've vetted everything. So yep. we know that 
when teachers are clicking things on our website and the clips and the backing tracks and everything, everything's been vetted so that we are in alignment with what schools expect. And as you know, that's that's a, a whole thing in itself these days, and it's super important. Yeah, and what I'll do in the description of the podcast uh, for the listeners is I'll put a link directly to the Music EDU website. Uh, if you're a Music First Classroom user, you can just click on that in the resources tab. You'll see that beautiful purple button. Just click it uh, and and go have a look for yourself. But I'm looking at the clock, Kate. I, I cannot believe that as much time has passed as has. So I got to get to the last two questions. Uh, I could spend another 20, 30 minutes talking to you, but um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go to the advice question. And um, as, as, uh, as someone I know, you work with lots and lots and lots of teachers. What advice would you give to music teachers who are thinking of incorporating uh, music tech in general uh, into their programs? I would say get an obligation free trial of the music edu suite it's that easy you know so don't try and do it all by yourself and create another lesson plan seriously don't do it you know because we've tried and tested this with hundreds of schools thousands of students to get it to be friday afternoon grade eight proof so even if you're a serious techie type person you can absolutely take a look, look at our resources and satisfy your curiosity. And we know we, we work with some phenomenal schools with phenomenal music programs and they come to us just for one thing. I mean, it's a little bit like Netflix when you get in there. You can't yeah. possibly watch everything on Netflix and there's no music, there's no school that can actually use everything that's in the Music EDU suite. So, right. so we're not... It's not an all or nothing type situation. It's a pick and choose. It's a layering type arrangement of of getting a starting point. And for that, we will actually help you find your starting point and meet you where you're at. And so that would be the the one thing. Definitely do it, but get an obligation-free trial term. And then that way you can actually implement immediately without those hundreds of hours of work putting into another unit of work. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, um, we, uh, myself, I I run Music First. I'm extremely picky uh, with what resources we bring to our teachers. And and just from my standpoint, what you've created is beautiful. It's so good that we decided to to leave it just as it is and offer it up. And for those teachers that are thinking, well, I can do this on my own. Well, yes, you can, but you have to think about the vast amount of time it would take you to create your own curriculum and think about all the sequencing and I teach this then and then then this and then this and then this. And how much is your time worth, right? And so mm-hmm. if you already have these, uh, you know, curricula that are made for you that you can use right in the box and then tweak and customize the way you want it or decide which parts of the lesson you don't, it's it's not a whole lot of money and it saves you a ridiculous amount of time and it it, it it's really fabulous. So for every, any listener we've, that's on the fence, just just go and click on this thing and, and check it out for yourself. Absolutely. And we've worked out that we save on average each music teacher up to 400 hours a year. I, I believe it um, because you know, and teachers are the hardest working people in showbiz and they're, and yeah. they're, and they're going to sit up until 10 o'clock making their own resources. But this, this does it for you. And it, it addresses topics that are somewhat difficult to do 
if, if if a you don't have the background knowledge yourself or b you don't know where to find the resources and how to approach it um, and it makes them look really cool in front of this students. yeah no the kids love it uh absolutely <laughs> um, i remember the books kate and the fact that it's online now just makes it so mm. accessible and so easy so much easier yeah. So much easier for teachers. So I have one final question for you. I ask sure. every guest, Kate, and that is if you could wave a magic wand and have music technology do something that it can't do now, what would it do or what would it be? Right now, I would love Soundtrap to be able to import videos. And I understand why yeah. they can't. Yeah, I, I understand why they can't. I understand the reasoning, you know, but the... The accessibility that programs like Soundtrap have given to schools into this whole music creation realm has been phenomenal. And the way that they've equaled the playing field has been momentous, really, because a student in their own house can create a track now. Yeah. And, and that ability to then sync to video I know it's a bandwidth thing. I know it's internet speed. It's a whole range of things. And I'm just really looking forward to when that comes. So to me, that would just be my magic wand right now. Yeah, and and you're probably the 15th or 20th. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just you back me up on this. And I know a lot of music teachers that already do it. But the the magic experience for kids when they see a film clip, a, a video game cutscene that they mm. know, and they're able to strip that music out and write their own music to it. I mean, whether it's Foley effects and they're adding footstep mm. do creaking doors or they're adding, you know, hits when uh, it, it is such a wonderful experience for kids. I did it with GarageBand back when, when I, when I yeah. was teaching and the kids absolutely love it. They, I, I used to do a, the lightsaber duel between Yoda and Darth Vader. I took like 30 so cool. clip. And the kids would spend hours just trying to make sure that when the lightsabers hit, that that's when their music, you know, that's when the sound effect happened. It's such a great uh, empowering experience for the kids and they want every other kid to hear, check out mine, check out mine. So yeah, um, uh, the folks at Soundtrap, I'm going to be sending you this podcast, maybe this little section. Sorry guys. No, it's, it's all right. You're not the first <laughs> Um, and there, there are, you know, there's a product that we just released, uh, with music first elementary has a little DAW in there called U studio, which is excellent, uh, in its own right. And it actually does video game. It does video, uh, sync. So, uh, it is possible. Come on, soundtrap. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Kate, um, it's been a real, it always is a delight, uh, chatting with you. When are, are you coming to the States again for this conference season? When, when can people see you live and in person? Yes, I will be at TMEA again next February. Fantastic. And I'm still waiting to hear on NJMEA. So right. I believe I'll be there too, but a big shout out to all our schools in New Jersey. We've, we've got a few there now, a few districts under our belt. So, uh, we'll be looking forward to coming back and seeing you guys. Yeah, and if you're not if if it if if you're not from Jersey and you want to go to the big show in San Antonio the second week of February, uh, Kate, I look forward very much to uh, to seeing you there and uh, hanging out. Uh, you're, you're one of the cool people in our industry, and I and I, I hope you keep on doing what you're doing and 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 bringing incredible curricula to music teachers. Thanks, Jim, and thanks to you and Music First for all your support. We really appreciate it.
Uh, thanks so much for being on the episode. And I can't wait to catch up in person real soon. Bye for now. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.